Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. I've got a lot of sports to talk about this week with two of my good friends and recurring guests on the show. It's Joe Crisali to talk about the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. He was in Seattle at the party in the park. A lot to say about their draft and how they put together their team, the 32nd team in the NHL. And then I talked to Ryan Souls about the Milwaukee Bucks winning their second title, their first in 50 years. Giannis becoming uh, even more iconic, what it means for the Suns, and some thoughts on Olympic-level basketball as well. It's the Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali and Ryan Souls. Let's start the show. All right, time now for some uh, expansion talk here on the Money Mitch Effect. The NHL has 32 teams. Couldn't get Sean Kemp or Gary Payton on the show today. Next best thing is Joe Crisali. <laughs> coming in to talk about the Seattle Kraken, a Seattle resident now. Joe, thanks for joining the show and uh, being our boots on the ground for uh, a historic night in the NHL. Yeah, man, absolutely. I was uh, I was out there on the on the water, on the paddleboard, and taking it all in while they were announcing all the picks. Yeah, it was, Good time. A, it was historic for a couple reasons. It was also broadcast on ESPN. It was the first event that ESPN has as their new TV contract with the NHL. You have this this new franchise in a city that really hasn't had it before in Seattle. Um, we'll get to the pick selections in just a second, but the pop and circumstance, I mean, they brought out literally, I mean, we, we talked about kind of how the venue was a little weird and, and wonky with how they set things up, but a lot of people there, and like I mentioned, they brought out just about every celebrity. I saw Macklemore there. They were throwing fishes from the stage, Kemp, Peyton, like it was the full Seattle experience. Yeah. It was really funny they let off with Macklemore. I mean, I I, I feel like he's kind of to me yeah, he's more of like a one hit. <laughs> where's that guy? Been? He's he's more of like a one hit wonder kind of guy, right? We haven't really heard anything from him since what was that uh, thrift shop? Yeah. I feel like that was his big thing. But people in Seattle here love Macklemore for some reason. I mean, it could be that he's a nice guy. I mean, I was expecting him to put on like a show or at least sing a song or something. They announced him coming out on the stage, and I was all ready to hear him, you know, like sing a song or whatever. And all he did was they played one of his songs, and and he announced the pick. And it was kind of just like, all right, because they were told everybody to come, and there was going to be this big party, and there was going to be all this music and all this stuff. And it was kind of just like, here's some of Seattle stars. And they came out, had like a quick quip, said something, and then they were on their way. And, uh, Marshawn Lynch wasn't even at the venue. He was yeah. in uh, Seattle Center. So, I mean, he was the guy that I would have been excited to see there. Um, Sue Bird, video called in, leading the way in, at the Olympics. Uh, she was probably like, oh, it's not really super important for me to be there <laughs> and have to fly to Japan literally the day, after, the day of or the day after. And she's got to go through a lot to get tested just to be over there for the Olympics. But... Um, it was an interesting event, for sure. I, I want to also point out that ESPN, it was like their new hockey career, Dominic Mora's the analyst there, and uh, Chris Fowler was the anchor. The, the funniest part about the actual broadcast to me was certain franchises, like the Sabres, the Maple Leafs, and the Devils, who've had just brutal playoff track records or lack thereof recently. Fowler kind of like got personal with like how bad they've been. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Like if I was a fan of those teams, I would have been pissed hearing him talk about the Maple Leafs saying no series won in 16 years. <laughs> so, 
I mean, hey. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was I was out on the water uh, watching the floating TV, and they didn't have any sound on it, so I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, be that as it may, it was uh, an interesting expansion draft. Everyone's going to go back to Vegas and you know how that started and the, the 2017 draft and how they were able to go to the final that first year. The other difference with that draft, Joe, is the fact that we didn't have the picks basically leak the day of, and I think a lot of that reason was all the players were there, essentially. So you had the unveiling. I think with the Vegas draft, there was more mystery because it was the first time they'd done this in a while. And with the exception of, I think, Fleury, Andre Fleury, I don't think anybody else was really there. So this was more of an event and, and not really a, a hidden secret with some of these picks when the draft selections were made. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was interesting. I liked how they brought the, the players out and they kind of spoke a little bit and they showed off the uniforms, which everyone is all about. I think they're just okay. I mean, they just it's just a logo with like some it's a the different basic color colors scheme. On the, I think that's what I think people. Yeah. Are, if I had to guess, that'd be my thing. It's a it's a new color, which I'm all for. But yeah, the logo scheme it's okay, but it's just something different with the colors. Yeah, I would have liked maybe, you know, some something up top not maybe just the nhl logo you know just something different but it's whatever but they i like how they had the players and and that you know they answered pretty much oh we're gonna bring championships here it's just kind of like you go through the little roster and it's like well that's gonna take a, a little bit of while but well, um, <laughs> um i i thought that i mean i know you didn't i don't know if you heard when they brought him out on stage at all but the funniest player unveiling was Tanev because he talked about his ridiculous headshot from last year in Pittsburgh. Yeah. When they, when they brought that on the screen, no, I was like, oh, everybody's laughing at my headshot again, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm sure he'll do the same one with the with the New Jersey on. Um, I saw a lot of Photoshops with the, <laughs> the New Jersey on that same headshot. They should just keep it. It's really iconic. Um, but all right, yeah, let, let's get into the roster right now. I know you were very uh, – Oh, you said you had opinions on this, and I don't think, based on how well I know you, that they're good ones. But where do you want to break down the roster first? The overall strategy, what they're trying to do, or do you see a position group that you're just not happy with? Or maybe an individual selection you would have made that they didn't go with? I think it's more or less just one, I wouldn't say maybe just one guy that I was shocked that they didn't pick. And I understand they went and they got Chris Jager, but I was just baffled why they wouldn't why they when they picked from the wild they took uh, Carson Soucy instead of Capo Cognan. The kid was a rookie last year. He had an amazing year. Having that duo in in net with Cognan and Drager would have been incredible for them. Especially since seeing how they picked all those defensemen. They I think they have 13, 13 defensemen out of the yeah, 12 defensemen out of the nine that they need. So it just didn't make much sense to me. Like, if you're going to pick Carson Soucy there, why are you picking Kale Flurry and his brother? Why are you taking Flurry's, Adam yeah. Larson and signing him for this long, long deal? Why are you taking Vince Dunn then instead of doing something interesting? There's all these teams that said, please take Tarasenko and we'll trade with you. Think, and then you don't have to take Yeah, them. I think the Tarasenko They're, thing might be injury-related, though, because the reports you read about that is that it doesn't really look good for his health and, and you know what, what happened there. But I actually really do agree yeah. with you on the Minnesota not taking their goalie there. 
Um, not where I thought you were going to go with. It was I think a that rookie. Been, yeah, I think rookie that was, last year. That was the pick I think that they missed on. Him and Dreger um, would have been a good, formidable duo. Because I think Dreger's good and he can start, but like, who, who knows what the upside is for him. I was actually, I agree that they should not have taken Carey Price with the contract and his age. Yeah, I just don't think that absolutely. was the right move. I, I I was most shocked being out on the water um, when they announced Jordan Eberle. People were pumped. People had Eberle jersey, Islanders jerseys. I'm like, what the hell is going on out here? So they were excited about the Eberle pick. I wouldn't have went with Eberle there, seeing as how he's owed like one of the most, I think he's owed like five mil a year or something like that for the next couple of years. And they had so many chances. Like they fell like 30 mil under the cap. Like there were so yeah. many other good players that they could pick. Like, Max Domi, for example, yeah, he's got some injury uh, stuff happening to him right now, but they take Gavin Bayreuther. I don't even know who that guy is. And they got all these other defensemen. I love the Giordano pick. That one was a no-brainer for me. Good, amazing defenseman. Always have him on my fantasy team. Uh, he is 37, though, and, and, I, I, and I do think that I do think that was a great pick. You need and a mix, though. You do, and, and here's— You need a mix. Here's why I, I say it's about a B minus C plus draft is that they went really conservative, really safe with it. They, you know, Vegas made the final doing what they did, and that was very rare. It's very unlikely if you get super aggressive and you miss, it could set your franchise back a very long time. I think the one pick, and it's not just because I got it wrong, but if you look at like a like their strategy summed up in one like a microcosm of what their strategy was, the Tampa Bay pick was Yanni Gord. I would I would have probably yeah. gone Tyler Johnson, somebody like that. More upside, more yeah. more high end skill, but not as consistent and you know not as gritty and and you know the, this team's problem, that Joe, as you like, know, is going to be to score goals because I don't I think Gord's yeah. hit twenty once, Everly's hit twenty, but they don't really have any top end forwards and they're going to really struggle to score goals this year. They're just going to be a hard nosed grinding team, and when I talked to Haxtell, the head coach, it kind of seemed like that's the way that they were going to go with it they just want guys who are going to go out there and they're going to play hard and they're going to play fast didn't necessarily say anything about guys that are going to score any goals but if Everlay's your top goal you know that guy I, I don't know how that's going to go for them but they did pick my sleeper guy that I was telling you about uh, Mason yeah. Appleton that's the guy I think if I there's thought, anybody that's going to be high-end scoring to break out kind of like Wild Bill Carlson did for Vegas it would be Appleton. He's the one yeah. with the most potential. I think it's going to be Appleton. So I would keep an eye on him for to see how that plays out for him. I was bummed to see. I told I told Mads that I would be able to tell their whole draft based off of who they took from the Rangers. And if they didn't take Colin Blackwell, then their entire draft was a bust. And they took Blackwell, and I I'm upset that he's that gone. That was a good pick. Um, but that was a great pick for them. So. I like what they did up the middle. Mm -hmm. They made some great picks up the middle, but they don't have a, a ton of goal scorers coming off the wings, and their defense is good enough up top, but it just fades out as it gets down to the bottom. I just, I just don't understand why you pick all these supposedly upside guys. Like they, they got instead of spending a little bit more money. Like you had a chance to make the team formidable, but instead they're just they just took these. Uh, I'm going to say no-name defenseman down at the bottom here that might not even be on the roster. Yep. And then the two backup goalies, Joey Decord and Vitek Vanacek, I, no lie, I never heard of those guys. Like, the Kakinen no-pick no really just baffles yep. me because 
he was his cap hit was seven hundred twenty five thousand. His rookie last year had an amazing year, and he was exposed. Like I, I just don't understand how you pass up on that type of player and that type of caliber, especially having one year in the league when he played as well as he did. But you never know. Like these these guys that they have, um, we all said when Vegas picked their team that it was going to be garbage. Um, <laughs> we did. Our people, a lot of people are saying that about this team, and that. You know, it it might work out for them. They said that there's, they, like I said, they have 30 mil in the cap still, and when they head to free agency, they might make some big splash signings. But you just never really know how to go because, like you said, they really went pretty conservative with this draft. So you don't really have a lot of faith in them to make those, you know, those big jump moves, making those signing those big name guys to, you know, toss them in here. But I did get a few of these picks right when. Uh, I did that draft. I think if I go through here, I had Eberle, Gore, Donskoy, Tanev, uh, Appleton, Bastion, Blackwell. Some of them, yeah. Like half the defense. I really was expecting them to pick both flurries. So (laughs) I don't know why they they did that. It is kind of cool. They have both of them on the team. (laughs) In my uh, work group chat, they were like, wait, Marc-Andre Fleury, they picked him from the ninth? And we were like, no, the ninth are exempt. Yeah, but they got the other two. Joker style here on the Money Mitch effect. Um, yeah, I, I I liked some of the picks, like in terms of Tanev, that was a great one. Blackwell that you said, um, and just a point of advice: if you're walking around downtown Seattle and you see a Lesniak, you'll know it because <laughs> that dude is a monster. What does he go about yeah. six foot seven? Six seven two <laughs> twenty two fifty five two twenty five yeah, something like that. Yeah, don't mess with that guy. Um, but no, I, I think uh, you was, won't miss. He's got the hockey smile. You no, know, he does. He's got the, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I love Christmas that they took. A, I love that they took a Quenville from Chicago too. That's actually his cousin, which is pretty funny too. That that was the pick from Chicago. I got the last name Quenville. Yeah, um, that's another one. That I would if I was them, and I was. I looked at Chicago up and down, and I was just like, the best option I think there would be, especially if you have three goalies and you're not taken. Kakinen, why did they not take Malcolm Subban? I mean, yeah, he was good great. point. He would have been great. I think, look, look at some of these picks. Like, the Kings pick was Curtis McDermott, who is one of the best fighters in the league. Like, clearly they wanted to be, have a tough team. I don't think that this is a playoff yeah. team. Like, we could be wrong. We've been wrong before, obviously. But this is a team that's not going to get pushed around. So I think that was part of establishing the tone and culture. And I think you bring up a, an interesting, you know, discussion point with Mark Giordano. Great pick. You know, still at his age, can play at a high level, won the Norris Trophy. Great story of him being undrafted, making it all the way to the top. But this is the perfect pick for me in the sense that Seattle is going to try to compete. They're going to try to be that team that makes a run. But if if it doesn't go well for them next year, they have a lot of guys that I think other teams would want if they're making that Stanley Cup push. So you get into the sense of at the trade yeah. deadline next year, if they're going to sell, they could get a lot of assets and set themselves up for the future. I don't think they're going into the season thinking, let's just make sure we suck at the trade deadline. But if that does happen, they're actually equipped to get something yeah. back. But that's the thing is you can't you can't play that middle line. You can't toe that middle line. If you want to be a good team, there are a lot of players, there are enough players out there that they could have grabbed that would have made them a good team instead of, okay, we'll take these players, and just in case we're really not as good as we think we're going to be, we'll be able to trade them, and then we're going to be really bad. Like, I just, I, I feel like they, like you're saying, they kind of just ended up in the middle. 
And well, yeah. the opportunity it isn't the opportunity isn't to win a cup. I mean, it's not like that was the initial thought anyway. Yeah. Even when talking to the to the coaches and the GM and stuff, but like they really just kind of ended up in the middle where, all right, now we have these options, which isn't the worst thing as you know an expansion team. But from a Seattle standpoint, it's just gonna they're just gonna be another team that's not very good in the city, and well, people are gonna get they're gonna get tired of it fast. I think that. I think that you're mostly right. I think the the only difference being that when you're an expansion team, starting out in the middle isn't the worst thing. Like if you're, you know, if you're like the Vancouver Canucks or a team like that, the Flyers or whatever, my cup pick last year. If you're one of those teams and you just set yourself up in the middle and you've been around for a while and, and the core is aging, that's a problem. But I think you're you're kind of yeah. they're kind of hedging a sense. That's that's basically what they're doing because yeah, there is a scenario exactly where. Where Appleton balls out, you get you know the breakout season. Gore becomes that top end player, and you know you're, you're pushing for a playoff spot. And suddenly, maybe you want to buy at the deadline like Vegas did. But they're definitely hedging in the case there, and you know a lot of it will determine on Drager as a starting goalie and if he's capable there. I, the only other thing I wanted to, to mention too is yeah, I actually do I, think talked, yeah. Go ahead. Down here, they don't they don't. A few fans around here that actually follow hockey, and they don't <laughs> think Draper is going to be the long-term option option for them. He was. It he was had some moments last year. He was up and down, but like if you give him, you know, I always think you got you got to see him the net and say, okay, you're the guy. Prove it to us. It could be different. Yeah, I, you never know. Like Eberle said after uh, in an interview during the draft, like it's a fresh start for everybody. So he's had a, a few down years and. Now he's looked. Everly's looked at as being the top goal scorer on the team, and you never know. Like these guys, they they come over here and they're it's a fresh start for them. They, they want to, yeah, they want to prove they, people wrong. They want to prove something. Even some of these guys that come out like uh, that that have been pushed to the side and and haven't been the main guy on the team. Like, I mean, the way that they drafted this team. They really looked at who performed well this year's playoffs, and they looked at who was once a top pick and hasn't necessarily made it to the to um, you know fruition from their draft slot. And then they went and they picked some other upside guys that haven't really had any opportunities to prove themselves yet. Um, and maybe that blends well. Maybe they all you know kind of figure it out together and, and they, they make it happen. But I, I don't necessarily – I mean, if you look at, like, NHL posted uh, who, just on social media, where does – the where do you think the Kraken finished this year? And, like, comment below. And literally you can just scroll, 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 and it just says dead last. Every, every <laughs> single one of them says they're going to finish dead last. And maybe they do. Maybe they don't, but – um, yeah, I don't. I, I, don't I think know, I they feel can like, be competitive. I, I think there's a there's a scenario where they're competitive. I just I would not pick playoffs, but that's, that's yeah. I think I think, I, I, think got, I think they'll be like you said. They're a tough team. They're not going to let anybody push them around. So and that that blends that plays well. If they're a fast, tough team, that plays well in the current uh, hockey climate. But they definitely could use some goal scorers on this roster. I like Axtell as the coach of this team for the sense that you know he. It didn't work out in Philly because for a lot of reasons. One being there was a lot of high-priced players there that weren't really used to kind of his his style of coaching. I think this is going to fit this team well. We'll see if it's a long-term match, but I think he's good for this type of team 
a lot of young guys trying to prove themselves as he's trying to himself as well in the coaching ranks. Well, that's one thing that's really good about the front office here. They have a lot of faith and trust in each other. Yeah. They, um, Ronnie Francis. they believe like, Hey, if this is, if this is what you think will work, do it. They gave that, they gave Francis, uh, the, uh, the green light like hey if you want Lywicki gave him the green light like hey if you want to go out and spend a ton of money and you want to sign Carey Price and you want to get these players and if you think that that's the right thing and that's going to work for us then do it we will pay but if you want to go a different way we believe in um, your process and, and what you think is going to work because he did do a great job in Carolina I mean they weren't a playoff team a few years ago you know and they, they flipped it around, not that he gets credit for all that, but he was still a part of it. Um, and like you said, Hackstall, they really kind of drafted a team that will fit his kind of mold. So hopefully that works out. But it is kind of tough just to see them pass on on certain players that, that were available. Like, you know, guys that, that can score goals, especially coming 30 mil under the cap. That just blows mm. my mind. So and, and unless they, unless they um, sign – some of these free agents, uh, big name free agents to decent deals. I, I just don't know. But there's there's a good amount available. Yeah. Uh, that that their contracts are up, and they're they're free agents this year uh, throughout the league. So I just I don't see them making a trade. Imagine they make a trade for like Jack Eichel or something <laughs> like that. That would be insane. Yeah, it would be. I, I love the fact that Iserman was the only guy that didn't have his peak his pick leaked. He was just keeping it a secret all day. Detroit was like the only team we didn't. That know. was awesome. He, I, I that think did kind of suck. He's gonna turn. He's gonna turn Detroit around. I really believe that. It's not gonna be right away, but he did it with Tampa Bay. I think Detroit's gonna be good again soon. Um, but yeah, man, I think I think look, Seattle's got an NHL team. It didn't have the star power that maybe we were hoping for, but they've got a legit team. And I want to point this out as well. Maybe the strategy is. Not this year, but the 2022 draft. Have you heard this kid, Shane Wright, at all? I have not. Okay, so this is going to be the moment you remember in time. This kid will be, I'm not going to say <laughs> McDavid because nobody's McDavid, but look this kid up. He got the exemption status to play in the OHL when he was 15. He's uh, just a monster, and uh, he's eligible for next. I mean, I heard draft. I heard same, some of the same kind of stuff about Lafreniere, and uh, I didn't see that last year. Okay, all right. Okay, I, I guess we'll have to see. Hockey, that thing is like with with the NHL draft, the absolute guarantees are really the like the Oilers have screwed it up how many like, <laughs> how many times thing. with the first pick. That's the thing. So, uh, but there's no, really only like they're a few gonna. I mean, I, I think the big thing years. too is that there's there's a chance for them to get top end talent too to add to this in the in the years to follow if they're not a top team. So. We'll see, um, but no, I'm, I'm excited. We have another team, and that first game. I mean, the, yeah, the team hasn't played a game yet, so I mean, I'm optimistic. Team's going to be all right. I mean, oh, Vegas. I'm no one. NHL GM. You and me, Chad, on here, we we talk about our opinions on hockey. We we're not like front offices. We don't really know exactly how great these players are. These three kids could be incredible. You never know. You so, never know. You never know. Well, Joe Crisali, this was uh, fun on the Money Mitch Effect, talking about the Seattle Kraken, now officially a team. Before I let you go, 
Uh, did you want to make peace with the uh, fact that you know the Lightning and specifically Ryan McDonough have won back-to-back Stanley Cups? <laughs> and he was a, such a huge part he was. of all of it. And so was Sergachev, oh, a guy God. that you were pleading for to be included in the deal that wasn't. And the guy that they got for them, Nemesnikov, was picked up by the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, what did, like, oh, it's just Look, so hard. Honestly, can we it's talk so, about it's something so hard else? It's the fact that I, I Barkley Goudreau, now a Ranger, the rumored contract discussions... Like, like, why would be my follow-up to that? He wants six years why? at about $3.6 Barkley Goudreau, no offense. That is a lot of money for what he produces. Yeah, but he might be another player that uh, didn't have a huge chance of when he was on, and now he's going to show out. But I don't necessarily see him being a different player. He had a great playoffs, no lie, but he wants, he wants a big deal. I and I think the Rangers will give it to him just because, I mean, Chris Drew's in there. He went out, he got his guy. The dude was going to be a free agent and they traded for him. I mean, granted, they had a seventh-round pick, but they still gave him something for him. So they want him, and I think he knows they want him. So they'll sign him. Um, but McDonough, happy for him. <laughs> so just, good. Just that, that trade. That's so horrible. <laughs> God. <laughs> it really was. I mean, God, can you imagine McDonough and Fox? My God. They gave <laughs> JT Miller was in that trade, too. Just a throw-in. Just a My throw-in. My goodness. Yeah, they were that... just like, hey, you guys, you want you want uh, a possible top-line uh, mm. center winger guy, a top-line defenseman, no problem. And they flipped him into a first-round Just first give round us some pick. guy that's not going to do it. They, they flipped him yeah. into a first-round pick with Vancouver. Crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, well, the next uh, the next chapter in the uh, hockey calendar, we go right to the NHL draft coming up. And with that, I think the next time you know the next time we chat, within a week or so, I think there'll be a new landing spot for Jack Eichel, and there'll be a new landing spot for Seth Jones, too, as much as it kills me to say that. Yeah. I mean, I was all hyped in here talking about Kraken. I was at the draft last night, and you dropped that Rangers BS trade bomb on me here at the end. You're like, "Hey, have a nice day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to make it even. I mean, I think, I think you know, Jones like, is gone, and Joe, Seth Jones will be leaving Columbus, and that's going to be very difficult for me. But it's going to happen. And the Eichel news. So those are the two players that, in addition to maybe some others that are going to have new teams coming up, most likely Tarasenko as well. Um, and then the other thing, though, the very last thing is that Landeskog's contract thing could absolutely torpedo the Avalanche. So that's the, the final piece in that puzzle, too. They were praying that the Kraken would take him. But uh, that they was never going to happen because he wants too much money. You have to sign him, too. And I just think the term, like, yep. like look, I, I think, I mean, you know, the Avalanche need to start paying these guys, but they also need to save money for McKinnon, Kale McCarr, those type players. And. He wants like nine, ten million dollars. Like that is just not like that. That That's doesn't make thing. any when sense. Look, when you look at contracts like that, like Jack Eichel makes ten million a year. You, as a as a Ranger fan, when when they're talking about dangling a trade with him and the cap hit that he gives you, you're just like, all right. I mean, is he really that good? I mean, he's that good, but it's just kind of like, is I mean, it? Worth it. I mean, ten mil in any other, any other yeah. sport is uh-huh. like whatever. But, but the cap NHL, hockey is different. Once you get, yeah, 
yeah, once you get five mil plus, that means that's your guy. You believe in that player. So I don't know how much you think Seth Jones is looking for because he's he's going to want to be paid too. So it's going to be interesting to see where these guys land. Like, do you think the Avs even hang on to Lenny Scog? I I think they pay him. I, I don't know. It's it's tough because. I mean, he's a captain, so you just let a player like that go. It just changes the whole complexity of the locker room and, you know, the camaraderie of, of everything. And he's, I mean, he's earned it. That's yeah. the difference of, from looking at it from, like, a player perspective to a GM perspective is like, yeah, this guy definitely earned this money, but do I pay him that? But from the player's standpoint, you're like, I earned it. You either give it to me or I'm going to get it from somewhere else. And that's kind of the way that it goes just – in life in general so hopefully they get it figured out because the abs they got mckinnon they they got a win while they still can mccarr you know they now's their now's their time i feel like their window isn't totally closed yet so more to more they figured out more to be seen that does it for hockey season this year joe crisali pleasure having you on now you just turn your attention well i think you're going to turn your attention to the yankees but i'm not really sure this year because i don't i don't know i mean (laughs) Hey man, I love Aaron I, Boone. I was, Are you gonna say you um, love Aaron Boone? I was no. I you know, let me finish my sentence. I was bummed all year about just how lazy the team has looked, how boring they've been. That nobody looks excited to be out there. They bring up this Triple A team. They're playing a Triple A team out there. They got Greg Allen in center field, Ryan Lamar in right field, and Brett Gardner's playing left field. Like. And these guys are out there, and they're balling because they're playing every game like it's the last game that they're going to get to play in the uniform. And you just love to see it. And they're everyone's hype, everyone's excited. There was a picture of the team. They had a walk off. They had a walk off last night uh, against the Phillies. They had two game sweep over the Phillies because of these players. It's just these guys want to play, and I don't care who comes back from injury, what happens with Judge. Like, don't don't mess this up. These guys are here. They're playing now. Granted, it's probably not going to be uh, long lasting with these guys up here playing as well as they are, but let, you know, let it ride, <laughs> let, let them play, let it go the way that it's going. Let There's no play. need to, to, to change it up. They're having fun. The team's having fun. The fans are having fun. I mean, it's been a pretty crappy season the entire year. So just, run it just run it uh on the baseball season on the baseball season here we go uh joe crisali thanks again for coming on the show and best of uh, luck going forward and following the the new kraken for sure man all right huge thanks to joe crisali whose boots on the ground in seattle have been uh, important for getting the pulse of the kraken fans exciting times for them We'll see what happens. Lots of trades already. Nadelkovich going to the Detroit Red Wings. We know Stevie Wise up to something. Big thanks again to Joe. Now it's time to talk basketball with Ryan Souls. Giannis is incredible. He led the Bucks to the first title in 50 years. Their second overall. We talk about them winning four straight games. Middleton, Drew Holiday stepping up. What it means for Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton, as well as the rest of the Phoenix Suns. Will they get back here? And we talk a little Olympic hoops as well. It's Ryan Souls now on the Money Mitch Effect.
All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to recap the NBA Finals. The first Finals uh, that we have that ended in July. It's Ryan Souls now on the show. Ryan, thanks for joining the program. It took us a while to get here, but we've reached the end of basketball season. We have, and it's so weird because usually if we're talking in July, we're talking football. And so it's just weird to be talking basketball this late in the year. But you know me with football and basketball being my two predominant sports. It ending this late, I'm not complaining. Yeah, this is about as tight as it could get, though, right? Because anymore, and I know both of us, you, you in particular, you're going to start wandering over to football season. So this, oh, is about as, this is about as late as it could go. Um, but we did have a six-game NBA Finals that went to the Bucks. They get their first championship in 50 years. They win the last four games of this series, and they win it at home in front of 20,000 fans in the arena, about 65,000 fans outside of the arena. It was a cool moment for the city. Bucks fans everywhere Ryan uh, it starts I don't want to say it ends but it definitely starts with Giannis and and another step toward building an all-time legacy he had 50 points in a closeout game in the final just unpacking that for a second it was one of the best performances we've ever seen with everything on the line seriously man I mean to me this has to be a, a top five and minimum um, performance for a closeout game in a final. I mean, you you would throw Jordan's 45 in there. I think I think LeBron had a triple-double in that last game of the 3-1 comeback. And, you know, this, I think, is probably better than that. Man, it was just incredible. And it's just the hustle plays, the way he did it, the, the defense, it's just, it was something amazing to see. And with it being him, and just he just seems like a really good guy. Even if you're not a Bucks fan, it's hard not to be happy for him. That's right there. Um, I'm going to shout out to Giannis. Been a member of Team Greece my whole life, but what he's done and right. what he represents, and honestly, you know, doing it the way he did it is a great part of this, which we'll get to in a second. But this was a game in particular where, you know, Middleton was good. He wasn't great. Drew Holiday's impact, as we know, is more on the defensive side than the offensive side. They were getting their role players to contribute, but as far as the offense go, it was all him, and it had to be all him for them to win this game. This was not one in particular game, and I guess you can draw from the last couple, Ryan. The Suns weren't terrible. They were in the game. They were on the road. It was close. It was Giannis making the plays when he had to with basically everything on the line, and he got it done, and he also made free throws too. Yeah, he made his free throws. I think that was the biggest sign of, of showing how locked in he was. When he was knocking those down, as, and as it got later into the game, he was knocking down the shots, too. And not a lot of back irons. I mean, he was swishing them, and I think he was locked in. I'm sure it doesn't help you know, having a, a 20,000 people count uh, yeah. while you're trying to do the shot also. Uh, I mean, it's just it's incredible what he did, and you know, like you said, Middleton and, and Holiday didn't play their best offensively, but I think we did see a few key shots from Middleton um, down the stretch at the end, uh, just really to, to put that last bit of separation there, because like you said, it was close uh, really for, for most of the game, but it just felt like with how Gian, the way Giannis was shooting the ball, he was getting whatever he wanted. He he made DeAndre Aiden look as young as he actually mm-hmm. uh, is because he was playing uh, above his years until he got to this point, I think. And, uh, I mean, he no, you couldn't put anybody on. No, and the way he plays, too. I mean, don't you think it's just a remarkable 
way how his game's transformed from the Giannis of the first couple years to I think even after that first MVP, he's now the offensive player that's like I'm just going to go right through you. It's very much similar to LeBron. It's you can't yeah. stop me, and that wasn't always how he played, even when he got really good. Mm-hmm. And it's the playmaking too, because when they Phoenix tried to build a wall a little bit, they didn't they didn't commit to it as much as I would have liked. But when they did try to do that. Giannis made the right plays. He passed out of double teams. He was making accurate passes to corner shooters. Sometimes they weren't rewarding, you know, his selflessness, but he kept trusting his teammates. And I think that was the biggest uh, thing that showed in his game that, you know, because a year ago, two years ago, instead of a, a pass for an assist, it would have been a charge. Yeah, it definitely would have. I think he, he's just gotten so much better and smarter as a uh, basketball player. And, you know, he, he said it in the post game, Ryan. I mean, he wanted to do it in Milwaukee, which I think it's great for the league that mm-hmm. this is still an option. It doesn't mean it has to be the only option. We understand free agency and, you know, certain situations are going to, you know, make you want to leave and you're going to explore your options. I mean, Dame Willard's going through that right now, but right. he had an option, he had an opportunity to win in Milwaukee. It, there were stumbles the last couple of years, but that's part of it. It wasn't collapses. It wasn't complete choke jobs. It was the next step in progressing. And Giannis bought back in. And then, you know, that says a lot about him. And, and you could hear it in the words that he literally said. It meant more. It meant the absolute most to him to do it the way that he did. It had to be that much sweeter. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, both sides kind of took risk on the other one. If you If you look at the drafting and how this team was assembled. Chris Middleton came from the G league and Giannis, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, he wasn't a lottery pick. Uh, he was, it was back end. That was like 13th overall. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 13. Okay. So, but I mean, you got a guy, you know, 13th overall who looks completely different than when he does, does now than when he did, when he came into the league, he committed to his body Chris Middleton has turned into a different player. And I think, you know, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but it's kind of a an example of the organization really showing a little bit of loyalty to its concept also. You know, you were right. I had to re- it was 15th that put him just outside the lottery. Okay. Just outside of 15. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. non-lottery draft pick and a G League player that win a title. It was Steven Adams, Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad, and then Giannis in that order. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. And, and, again, shout out to Chris Middleton, who, I mean, I think we've been spoiled by the super team. Spoiled or, or just, I mean, I don't want to say bored by or, or ruined by, but he is a legit sidekick on a championship team. This is what mm-hmm. the Robin, and I don't mean this with any disrespect at all, but this is what we mean come up big in in big moments you're not the franchise guy but they need you to win this title and they don't win it without him they they probably don't even I mean they definitely don't get by Brooklyn but they don't get by Atlanta with without some of his great games there so they needed that and you know Drew Holiday is the other piece of this puzzle always uh offensively it can be uneven game five he was great but what he means defensively and what the organization did by just saying screw it, we're gonna we're gonna go for this guy. We're gonna trade away future assets because this is our opportunity with this once in a generation player. Definitely, and you know he he definitely was worth his weight in gold. <clears throat> excuse me on the defensive end with the jobs he did on Booker and Paul. I mean Booker 
had a, a good series as well. Am I going to say great? He had a good series with, you know, some 40-point games in there. But Holiday made him take difficult shots. He was just a pest. Uh, and I think uh, he wore him down, too. And I think that that was the case in a few fourth quarters for Booker. Yeah, that I think this is a good point, Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch effect to kind of switch over to the Phoenix side of things. I mean, I thought last game, and and really, you know, Coach Bud has been up and down. There's been calls for his job as recently as a couple months ago, and he'll coach there forever now with winning this title. But I think the game plan last night was great. It was essentially we're going to do everything we can to cut the head off of Devin Booker's offense. Chris Paul was able to do what he had to do, but – you know, they really made a con- conscious effort, Ryan, to eliminate the Devin Booker heat check moments. I think ultimately that played as big a part outside of Giannis to them winning a title as anything. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not, I'm, I definitely don't want to pile on Bud on, at the day after winning a title, but I guess the way I look at it is it, it shouldn't have to be an adjustment to make when constantly on the on the pick and roll switches, Booker or Paul has Lopez or or, or Bobby Portis on them, someone who can't move their feet, and when all you have to do is say Holiday, you're a probably the best on ball defender in the league, guard your man. I, I don't I, I get what you're saying, and I want I'm not trying to take credit away mm-hmm. from Bud, but I don't want to call that an adjustment. Well, I mean, I, I don't think they necessarily played all that way in the beginning. And I understand no, that Devin Booker is going to, you know, when a, when a great scorer goes crazy, like Kevin Durant earlier in the playoffs, it's like, what can you really do? I just thought that they, they, they did a good job to essentially identify where Booker made them vulnerable and adjust from there. Now, this, the flip side of that, obviously, is he didn't play that well uh, in the last game. And, you know, they're out and they lose the results of that, which is part of what you have to live with uh, if you're, you know, on Phoenix's side is that, look, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't a Monty Williams choke job on that side. It wasn't a game plan thing. They just got outplayed and they didn't make the shots that Milwaukee made. Unfortunately, it well, sucks that, but I just don't, like, I don't, this series went, I thought, as it should. I know that was the swings in there, Ryan, with two to four, but um, the better team won. And that's how I'm looking at it with no skin in the game. You know, I and you know, I it was fun watching uh, a contested finals matchup with no skin in the game. I'm with you there, but you know, I will lay a little bit in Monty Williams just for two things. I think one, you have to at least try to see if Giannis can defeat the wall. I know Miami tried it, and you know he swept them, but Miami and Toronto had success with it in previous seasons, basically sending Giannis home. I think to it, I think it was a little stubborn to say, okay, uh, we're gonna put our guy who's his third years in the league just single coverage on Giannis, and we're gonna do continue to do that even after he's killed us. I think you you gotta try something, and I think also, and this is far less uh, nitpicky, but just going to Devin Booker real quick. I can't remember if it was the game, uh, if it was game one of the finals or game one of the conference finals but he had he dropped 40 but he also had a triple double with it and I think the kind of the next step for Booker is going to be you know we've seen that he can score but can he affect the game in other ways too can he have four games like he had in that game one and it doesn't have to be a triple double every time but you got to figure out a way to affect the game in different ways and I think 
Aiden got punked from the jump. I think Giannis uh, came out there, asserted his will, and when you're seven foot, leaving baby hook, baby hook short, you're you're in over your head. True, but I, I will also say Booker at 24, eight and younger than that. I mean, they lost in the finals, so we're yeah. not you know we're not burying them them just yet, and they do have to make an adjustment. And Giannis was at a place as far as last as, as recent as last year where adjustments had to be made. And the other yeah. point I'll say is that as great as Giannis was, it was that little bit of offensive shot making that they needed from Middleton. And it was Bobby Portis' 16 points that kind of opened things up because Giannis could have scored 50 and the Bucks could have lost this game. You know, we've seen Absolutely. similar things like that. I mean, the final the final piece of this, Ryan, is Chris Paul, um, 36, 37 years old, and now still doesn't have that ring, was two wins away, up 2-0, loses the series. you got to wonder if this is as close as he's going to get. It's not just wondering because of how good the West is. He obviously loves playing in Phoenix, has a good situation there, but unless he wins a ring in his final couple years in the NBA, this is going to be the all-time missed opportunity for him. Yeah, and I think he's really going to have some decisions ahead of him. I, I don't know if it's just that cut and drive it. He would run it back with the Suns. I just I think at the at the age he is in his career, and like you said, with how deep the, the West is, what we saw with injuries, uh, I, I don't I don't think Chris Paul is walking to a situation yeah. thinking he's not going to win and not have success. But I also think that at this stage in his career, we're really going to see what he values. Well, that's the part of it too. I mean, he's made a lot of money in his career. And you know, I don't. I'm not out. I'm not overruling the uh, the scenario where the Suns might lowball him, given the owner and their history there. But I gotta think that if a fair offer is made, he's staying in Phoenix. I've heard the Knicks talk and other things, but he's got every accolade. He's got every recognition from his peers and outside. He just needs a title, and I think this is the best place for him to do it. And then, as loaded as the West is. The Suns are actually in a really great position. I know it's the worst thing you don't want to hear after you lose in the final, and there's no guarantee you're going to come back. But they've got a lot of young players, they've got a good mix, and they've got room and openings to improve. So I think that should count well, for something. Let me ask you this. And once again, I, I was I was so happy watching this finals, and I'm not trying to rain on the Suns parade at all, so I, I don't want folks to take it as that. But I think looking at last year's Heat team, and after they won – and the Eastern Conference Finals and got to the finals, and even after they lost to the Lakers, you heard people saying, as great as a run as this team had, I could easily see them being a seventh seed next year, which is how the league is. And as great as this run that this Phoenix team had, I could see them finishing with the second best record in the West. I could also see them finishing with the seventh best record in the West. I just think that's how good and how close things are in the NBA right now. And I wonder if Chris Paul is looking at it that way too. I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. There's no also guarantee that the East is going to be as top heavy as before. It's a tough game to play. And I would push back trying to find six better teams in the Suns. I know there's hypotheticals out there, but I mean, we could just be, we, that's another I mean, debate. Six, for another time. six healthy teams better than the Suns. I don't see it. I don't because one. I guess Portland was one last year and uh, in the top six, and we saw how that went. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and the there are question marks. I mean, yeah, there is a possibility. There is a scenario. I just don't think it's likely that the floor drops out, and then and then coincidentally, all these other teams with question marks and guys coming back from injuries 
I think I think it's you know something to consider, but I just don't know a better scenario. Nothing is a sure thing where you're not going to have that chance if you're Chris Paul. But it's up to him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I would absolutely stay. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last part of this, Ryan, is just looking at Giannis, and I wanted your take on something else. I mean, he's got the ring. He's got two MVPs. He's got a defensive player of the year. I believe a finals MVP. I think only Jordan, uh, at, definitely at his age, is the only one that's around that area as well. All-time wise, I mean, I hate doing this early with him, but I think we could be looking at a top 10 pushing into the top five range, depending on how his career pans out. Yeah, I mean, man, that's tough. And just because with the top 10 now, there, there's a lot. There's probably 12 or 13 guys that are top 10 worthy, especially mm-hmm. when you have the first three, first three spots completely solidified. So you got a bunch of guys competing for, what, seven spots. Giannis would have to – I mean, if we're just looking at everything equal, you know, not putting – kind of the stakes involved with the title just if every championship equals one and you know we're not looking at the milwaukee significance and whatnot i mean what Giannis would have two more championships well that's that's i mean look he's 26 and there's still a lot of room left for him to grow and win um but i do think that nba too the way yeah and duran obviously but the way he won and the roster that he had i don't think that's going to leapfrog you know substantial differences in titles but it's going to break a lot of ties. That That's my take on this. I mean, history is going to look back very fondly at this run. I, I, I really believe that because he didn't team up. He didn't join a super team. He had chances yeah. to leave and he stayed. So um, take that with with, uh, with a grain of salt. But it's just fun to see the progression of of a, of a great player. And, you know, it looks like it's his league. You know, it does. I mean, LeBron can still, can still win and is still a force, but – this is, you know, this is Giannis's time. We saw that last night. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's figured it out. I mean, maybe literally his strategy with playing against the Suns and getting the, the monkey of the heat off his back, you know, coming back and beating them how he did. Maybe he's figured out his game and he continues to get better. And if he does, that that's even scarier. So, you know, you absolutely could be right. I just – the NBA from a skill level is – we've never seen it at this level and it's just you know it's so hard to win so i i I would love to see it happen but it's gonna be interesting man and just a little note next year the uh the odds to win the title bucks are third after winning the title plus 900 the lakers second at plus 525 the nets plus 200 overwhelming favorites going into next year the brooklyn nets so yeah i'm I'm not shocked there at all (laughs) no but and it's I'm just not... funny. Both of those two teams, Nets and Lakers, assuming the Lakers retooled the roster, star power, star driven. But we saw one injury. That's all it could take. Absolutely. So fun to think about. Again, congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks and the city of Milwaukee. Uh, Ryan Souls, before I let you go, we do have to talk about one other thing, and that's Olympic level basketball coming back uh, already. The Olympics are uh, officially underway in some other sports now. Some bucks and uh, you know Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday are, are flying over there now. I think or shortly to join Team USA. And based on what we've seen, they kind of need the help. Oh, they 100% need the help. When when Bradley Bill had to pull out, uh, you know, due to COVID uh, concerns, you know, they had already decided the the U.S. team and the focus that 
They were going to try to play a more European style. They were abandoning having a traditional big like we've had in the past. They just wanted wings who could shoot. And losing Bill, uh, and when your second line isn't that deep, you they need scoring if they're committed to that. And Booker is a scorer. Middleton has shown he's a scorer. And, you know, Holiday instantly comes over and is the best uh, perimeter defender on the team and outside of Kevin Durant, Draymond, Bam, Drew is now the the other defender. So I I don't think this team is a lot for gold by any stretch. Uh, I am curious, one, to just see how many of them are taking the game seriously because of how the NBA season ended um, in just terms of length. So I'm going to watch, of course, because it's Olympic-level basketball, but I'm not expecting world domination here by any stretch. No, and uh, you touched on a lot of it too. I mean, they they built the roster of great scorers and great perimeter players, but there is only one basketball, and you need to build a, a championship level roster. I understand that the game's getting s- smaller in a lot of ways, but you mm-hmm. wonder, especially with FIBA and how the game is called, you're not going to get the calls, you're not going to get those NBA whistles. That it's going to change some things. Um, I agree. They're not a lock. They need Middleton, Booker, and especially Drew Holiday based on what he can bring on the defensive end. I think, though, that they have the luxury of some of these international teams, Ryan. I don't know if you would agree, but I don't think they're as strong as Olympic runs in the past. I think the field might be deeper, but there isn't that Spain of 08-12 team. Serbia 2016 was really good. Even Australia in the past. I just don't know that those teams are quite as good as they were. Yeah, there, there's no juggernaut. I think everybody is, is closer together, like you said. The distribution is tighter. Yeah. But two, if there's a juggernaut and everybody else is not as good, if you're the U.S., you have a chance to try to avoid the juggernaut. Now with everybody being good, you got to take every game seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, so I, I think you know there's a dichotomy there too. I ask you this though, um, just a, a fun question. So, you know, there, there's always kind of the the face of whatever Olympic team guy who you expect to, you know, lead the team in scoring, whatever, but it just doesn't work out that way. Like the 92 team, Charles Barkley kind of was the man. I'm pretty sure that 2012 team, I think it was Carmelo Anthony that contributed a lot and people uh, didn't really expect it for this team. The, do you kind of see a dark horse? You know, we look at Kevin Durant, we look at Dame Lillard. Do you see somebody playing a major part? Who, who you got Tatum. Okay. That's like, who I would I like, say. I like that. And I think part of it is based on what I heard about how he's adjusted most to the rules and to the, you know, not calls that you're going to get. I think mm-hmm. he's the guy. I mean, obviously, like Durant, Lillard, those guys are just incredible shot makers. But that would be the one that I think steps up. For Team USA's sense, I think he's the one that's going to have to step up yeah. uh, to make that play. Uh, but I, I wouldn't sleep on, you know, the role players that they need getting out there and doing the little things. And Popovich has to, you know balance it out the only other time he coached team usa they lost uh quite convincingly in the fiba tournament a couple years ago so it's a lot for him too there's some players who you can't sleep on but i'm sleeping on kevin love i'll tell you that for sure well he's not there now so he's not there kelton johnson actually on the team oh yeah 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 Yeah, zach levine actually uh cleared protocol so he's meeting up with the team now which i think will help and uh yeah they just need some players to step up and they have to play as a team because it's different a lot of these players 
aren't used to international basketball. So I think no. that's big. But, but one last question. Do you think Spain 2018 beats this team? I do just because I they kind of think so too. I kind of think the Gasol's in their prime, you know, yeah. young Rubio, Fernandez, and uh, who was it? Navarro was the other one. Navarro. I mean, I think, uh-huh. I think that would be that that would be a heck of a game. But I kind of would lean towards Spain in their experience because the 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 redeem team barely got by. That was one of barely. the best international games ever, and it took every bit of strength to beat that team. So it did. It we'll did. see. No, I think they might beat our team. I do. We'll see. Hopefully the Stars and Tribes can get it done, but it's going to be tough. Uh, Ryan Souls, pleasure talking basketball with you uh, all season. And, yeah, just a couple uh, couple short days, weeks now until football's back. So quick turnaround there. But thanks okay, for joining huh? the show. I'm sure we'll be talking in a couple of weeks. Appreciate you, man. And that's it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Huge thanks again to both Joe Crisali and Ryan Souls. Lots more sports to talk about. Football's only a couple weeks away from getting really going. You got the baseball season, some big fights in the UFC and boxing, as well as many, many Olympic sports to cover, and tennis, of course, as well. Check out the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, you know the deal. Keep enjoying sports.